Did you know Super Awesome Mix has an app? Go to the Apple App Store today and download Super Awesome Mix. It's free. You could start creating and sending your own digital mixtapes in just a few clicks. Also, there's links to our Instagram account and a link where you can follow your favorite podcast. Speaking of which... Welcome back to another super awesome mix. My name is Matt Sidholm alongside my co-host and co-founder of Super Awesome Mix, Samer Abu Salbi. Samer, how are we doing this week? We are doing real well. I am melting in the summer heat. I feel like my listeners are going to get really tired of me talking about that, but <laughs> but oh my god, Matt. <laughs> it's really hot. You know, I'm for someone built. For someone who grew up in Texas, you complain about the heat in New York quite a bit. Well, that, that's why I left. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Um, but other than that, I'm doing great. Um, and I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, I It is like my real pleasure to introduce our next guest coming on. We have another guest mix. He comes to us from Williamsburg, which is in Brooklyn, by the way, Matt. Brooklyn, New York. Uh, just in case okay. you didn't know. It's, it's I a did neighborhood not. here. Thank yeah. you. He's a... Uh, a director and a playwright. His impressive resume work includes several off-Broadway plays in a director or assistant director role, including Jesus Christ Superstar and Mount Carmel Theater Company. As a playwright, he's co-authored Mother Emanuel, which won the New York Fringe Festival Award for Overall Excellence in a Musical. He is also an adjunct professor at St. Joseph College in Arts and English Department. And if that wasn't enough, he's got three podcasts, The Talkback, The Turnbuckle Podcast, and The NY Mystery Machine. With all of that, he still had time to sit down with us and make us a mixtape. So please welcome to the show, Adam Mace. Thank you so much for being here, Adam. Thanks for having me. When you listen to your, to your resume, you're like, ooh, I did some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> It's very impressive. I love it. You you have quite the career in, in theater and and uh, in musical theater. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've been doing theater for for so long, and so when when we were chatting about the show, I was I, I was very uh, um, uh, I had an epiphany. I'm like, oh, I should talk about show tunes. That's that's where <laughs> that's where yes. my my love lies, really. Yeah, and we've yet to have a mix with show tunes yet, and obviously there's so much music uh, in that genre. So, no, this was exciting, and, and it was great to get into uh, so many of these. I felt like I had to listen. I, I didn't because it would have been too time-consuming, but I feel like I have to go back at some point and listen to the entirety of all of these musicals at some point. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like when you listen to one song, you're like, oh, well, now I want to gotta know the rest of the story so i guess i'm gonna listen to 12 cast recordings today (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly Um, and you've got some good ones on here. I'm really excited to to get into the mix. Before we jump in, I just want to tell our listeners, uh, you can find more of Adam's work if you're interested in everything that he's been up to at adammace.com. And his Instagram is at adamhasinstagram, which is a great handle, by the way. Well done. And we'll have links to those in our show notes as well. But with that, as we've already hinted, uh, let's get into your mix. Tell us about tell us about how you pick these 12 um, musical hits. Was there a theme here uh, as we go through them or or was it just some of your favorites? Um, you know, it, 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 as I was trying to like work through, I was, I was so inspired by a lot of the mixes that that's been on the show so far, a lot of people's journeys and their, you know, my life and this and that. And so as I was putting it together, I was like, well, this is, these are 12 songs that are kind of about my journey, like so far. And like the first title I had for it was like where I'm at. 
because I'm like, that's where I was at. You know, when I was <laughs> nice. like, this is where I'm at right now, and it'll be different in a few months. And I think, you know, um, cheap plug. I had I had Matt and Sammer on my podcast, um, which which is coming out this week, and um, we were just talking about how like you're in different different places each week, be in different place, and so I was really examining just my journey and my life. And trying to summarize it, where where I was at in these twelve songs right now, and certainly it'll change next month. But um, they happen to be from musicals I do I do love, um, and I think so many of them are very you know double double meaning, right? Like, a I, I have appreciation for the show or the the composer, writer, lyricist, and b like when I think about either the the character who's singing it, or I think about the theme of the song, I can find my place in that. I'm like, oh, I see myself there. That's great. I love that. With that, let's kick it off. Let's get into track one here. You've got um, just an amazing opener, which also opened the the musical itself. You've got Heaven on Their Minds from Jesus Christ Superstar, the 1996 London cast recording. Yeah, I was, when, when I wrote, I was like, here's the thing with musical theater. If you ever do a musical theater mixtape, when you're talking to like theater nerds, they're going to tell you the recording they want to, to listen to. Because <laughs> right. Yes, you were very has, specific. You were very so specific. specific. Right. It's like sometimes they're like, ooh, I like, and sometimes you're like, you know, for instance, this recording, the 96 London recording of Superstar is my favorite altogether recording. I do have like other recordings that have certain like characters like, oh, I love the Judas in this one or the Jesus in this one. But as a as a as a full you know album, um, I just fell in love with the 96, you know, Heaven on Their Minds for me was my entry point to musical theater. When I was a kid, um, my mom and my brother and I, um, you know, each year, like each like Easter week, we would like just watch the film version of Jesus Christ Superstar before I had ever even seen the the stage version of it. And there's just something about that show that just, it just locked me. And so when I talk about musical theater, I'm always like thinking that that's just my, that was just like the, the, the alpha point of it, right? That was just the beginning for me. And um, I love Superstar as, as a musical structurally it's a rock opera. It, it started, it's really started breaking the mold of what musical theater could be. Um, and more so like I, I grew up, you know, Catholic, you know, my mom was very Catholic and we grew up Christian. And so for me, um, seeing how we could interpret stories that for all intents purposes for my entire life was, you know, preached on a pulpit very stoically to to breaking it down and, and finding the humanity in these characters and looking at Jesus and Jews as characters. And and yes, we can any, you know, the different religions of the world have their different opinions of who he is and, and people who don't believe in religion don't have. So I think what was great about what Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice did in this production, in this musical, was just examine the 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 humanity of these people, their love and their friendships. When I directed it, you know, I was interviewed and someone was like, "What is, um, you know, what's the show about?" I'm like, "Well, it's about love." I mean, like, yes, it's a Bible story and this that, but it's about love. Right. It's like it's about mm-hmm. this, yeah. this this human this human being because if you're if you're Catholic, you believe that he was fully human and fully d- divine, who had 12 friends and you know he caught one on a bad day you know and and so um <laughs> yeah and so when i was putting a great description you know when I, was, when I was putting this mix together i was like also heaven on their minds just is also a great opener um 
just a spoiler when I put this whole, you know, 12 mixtape together, the first half of the mix is act one show, act one tunes. The second half is all act two tunes. I and love that. Mi- and the middle point is uh, is an act one finale. So I really was very structurally. I, was, I wanted to do my darndest for this view. I was so yeah. When I was taking notes for this, I did. I was trying to figure out where things were within mm-hmm. the uh, the context of the show, and I did start to notice a little bit. I didn't have it quite broken down that way because I don't know the shows as well as you do. But um, yeah, I did kind of notice. I was like, oh, right, okay, that's Act One. This is the last one in Act One, and yeah, as we go along. So yeah, very well done. And yeah, this is a uh, this is a great one to start with. And I just love that description that you don't necessarily have to be religious to appreciate this show it's it's fundamentally a a show about love and it's just a a great story and it's also uh, my wife's favorite musical and so you picked a good one to start and then amazingly track two west side story is my mother-in-law's favorite musical so you really i mean for my family just just knocked it out of the park to start off here but you picked something's coming from west side story as your second track yeah i feel i'm i oh gosh i've i think i've said that that phrase so many times in my life just as an artist I'm like oh, something's coming I just know it's it's around the corner <laughs> it's around the corner I feel it you know right and so when I was trying to like think of, of of songs putting in this I'm like this is this is like so thematic and I feel like a lot of this journey mixes that it's like I felt this so many days where I sat on my couch or my bed and I was like something's coming I just gotta it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna come I just gotta figure out when it's gonna get here and um I think West Side Story, you know, as a show is just, you know, it's brilliant, just constructed brilliantly. Um, Leonard Bernstein, Stephen Sondheim, first time, never again after that, like this this powerhouse duo that that the, the we weren't we, we we didn't deserve just how good they were as a team. Um, and uh, so yeah, I, for for this was very much um, that and that original recording of it where the the tone of it is still you know not so there's such a, a difference when you listen to a cast recording um recorded in 1957 as opposed to one in 2021 where the new ones are very produced and you, you know, it feels like you're listening to an album like a, a normal right. you know, album mm-hmm. you listen yeah. to some to, to a lot of these like certainly if you listen to and you guys listen to uh the specific story recording it's like it feels vintage it you feel mm-hmm. like old broadway in it and i just love that that robust um orchestrations pulling through and and not feeling like they're like blasting in my ear like you you have that the 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 tone is different and so i just it just really resonated with me this was um yeah this was a really lovely recording and i love the way you just described that It, it is truly unlike i think just traditional songs what's so magical about musicals is that you know it happens live every single night you know every single night that they perform so even though they're doing the exact same thing they've practiced it a million times there's always like a bit of nuance a little bit of difference like the energy could be a little bit different um and i just also love lyrically what this song sets up i i completely like empathize or not empathize i i understand that feeling of like something's coming something's coming it's like you know whenever you work um especially like in your own thing i think that that's something you got to tell yourself a lot you know it's like and just believe in what you're doing you know the lyrics here that really stood out to me is like could it be yes it could something's coming something's good if i can wait something's coming i don't know what it is but it's going to be great um and so i really appreciate this as as a second track and then it kind of just perfectly sets up, in a way, the third track here, which is 
my all-time favorite track off of this album. I'm so glad you picked this one off of this uh, musical, Wait For It, from Hamilton, which is, I, I mean, I think a lot of people obviously know every single one on Hamilton's soundtrack is just incredible, but this one was a little bit of a sleeper hit for me. Like, I, it wasn't my first thought when I think of Hamilton, but then, like, listening to it and understanding it and, and like, knowing the background of the song, um, it's just so powerful. So so tell us about this one, making making slot number three here. You know, um, yeah, it, it, for me, it was a full sentence, right? It's something's coming, dot, dot, dot. I just have to wait for it. You know, that was yes. kind of the, the yeah. feel of it. And, you know, when, when Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote this, another reason I love this song so much was he wrote this on, on the L train going to a party in Williamsburg, he famously says in an interview. And... Um, and ironically, he, he, he gets to the party and doesn't wait for it. He goes immediately back home and, and writes a song. Um, <laughs> right. But the idea of wait for it, um, I've, like, I've sat in that mood so much. Like, I, I got to wait. And it's so weird, right? Because you say, so stop waiting, just do something. But you still have to wait. It's just a weird like back and forth. And you know, just musically, you know, when, when Lynn was trying to write the opposite of my shot, like what's, what's Burr's version of that song? Right. Why is Burr where he is and Hamilton on the rise of where he is? It's because Hamilton isn't giving away his shot and he's doing, doing, doing. And then later we hear he's nonstop and, and Burr's still waiting for it, right? And it'll define Burr's entire life until through act two and, and their journeys together when he decides to stop waiting. You know, what's that, what's that moment? And I feel so much within me and within so many people, right? It's like, when's the moment we just stop waiting? Um, you know, my favorite part of the song is the very end of it. It's so it's so it's so brilliantly concluded, right? He goes at the very like the last few notes is um um there there's I'm willing to wait for it. Like he has this really big pause in there where he still waits. Like he does this whole journey and goes, right. I'm willing to boom 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 wait for it, wait for it. It's just so interesting and um yeah, it, it felt like just so apropos. I think so many of us are just living in that world where it's like something's coming. I just got to wait a little longer and figure it out. As a, certainly us as artists who, who you know, so often I say no to the to the normal jogs. So I'm like, no, cause something's, something's around the corner. Right, right. No, that's great. And yeah, I'm with Sam. I love the fact that from Hamilton, I mean, so many great songs, but you picked one that's a little lesser known, but, but still just as great. Um, so track four, we go to the musical Passion, and this is from the 1994 original Broadway cast recording, and you picked Loving You. Yeah, um, there's a lot of Sondheim on this list. You can tell how much I love <laughs> But um, I don't think there's a better love song ever written in, in music history, every genre, than Loving You. Um, so the, the premise of Loving of Passion is this, um, old, this older... Um, obsessive woman is obsessing over this uh this military man and you don't really understand why the the military officer gives her the time of day she's overbearing she's older and and a little bit you know she's she's lived and he's this young sprite man and you're like i don't understand like you're obsessing you're following him why are you doing all these things and finally like he like explodes at her and then she says the first line of this musical which is my favorite love lyric in the history of, of, of love lyrics loving you is not a choice it's who I am and there it is right that, that is the reason why this can, can continue why we have a full musical after it because it's if love was a choice we would have ended this already but it's not it's who I am um, and she goes on to say, um, you know, she ends the song with I would live and I will live and I will die for you because it's if I can do anything else, I would do it, but I can't. 
And so when I always talk about love songs, I'm like, Simon Sondheim nailed it in one lyric. Loving you is not a choice. It's who I am. And if you're in a relationship, if you're where, where you don't feel, where you feel that this is a choice, you're like, I could not love you. Then you're not in love. That's not love. Love is when you, you're just so drawn. I just, you know, I'm fortunate that I have a partner who, who I'm deeply in love with. And it's, you know, it's this. When I think about her, I'm like, yeah, it's like I don't have a choice. It is literally in the fibers of my body. That's who I am. That's great. Yeah. And that's definitely the lyric I wrote down. Like that immediately jumped off for me was it's not a choice. It's who I am. No, that's great. Yeah, it's really pretty. Um, I also uh, you mentioned Stephen Sondheim and I, you know, in researching and, and looking at this, I was like, wow, he wrote a lot of musicals. He uh, had quite the prolific <laughs> career. Yeah, he Unbelievable. He's like the James Patterson of musicals. Huh? He just keeps <laughs> cranking them out. It's like, Stephen, when do you sleep? I mean, come on. I mean, the guy's 84, 85 now, 85 now, and just still. It's, it's impressive. Um, let's move on to track five here. Um, you've got Wig in the Box from Hedwig and the Angry Inch, the 2014 cast recording. Tell us about this one. You know, um, I, as, as it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a playlist of, it's a playlist now. It's a mixtape about Jeremy, right? <laughs> and so um, for me, I during this pandemic, I spent a lot of time doing a lot of soul searching. And one of the things that came out of it was I realized that uh, I was genderqueer and that I was just more than I thought I was, right? And um, so when I was putting this this together, I was like, I need to I need to address that somehow. And the first show that popped in my brain was Hedwig. Um, and mostly because Hedwig is not going through anything that I went through, right? There's there's certainly difference between genderqueer, non-binary, trans, all that jazz. Um, but it's a, such a show about finding your your gender identity, being happy about your gender identity, and um, you know the idea of a wig in a box, pulling down the wig and putting it on and becoming someone new. Um, I think it's something that so many people who are going through just gender stuff in general go through, right? It's like the idea of the wig, the idea of the mask. Um, when is it you? When is it this other you? And so um, I, you know, when I, when I first was like really discovering a lot about myself and my identity, I really, I like just listened to some, some Hedwigs. I was like, just so interesting. And Hedwigs is such a, a tragically amazing, charming character, just who, who she is in life. Um, and certainly, you know, the most, you know, ludicrous of of stories that unfolds, but again, so much heart in it. Such a show about love, and not just love for others, but just finding the love for yourself. Yeah, and this song, if I if I understood correctly, because I didn't see the show, but I was kind of you know making sure I understood the context of it. It seems to come at at kind of a low point for Hedwig in in the story, and it ends up. But when I first listened to it, before I did the research, I'm just listening to the song it struck me as just a very powerful song. And so it was interesting reading the context and being like, well, this is kind of a low point in the show, but then you get this very powerful song out of it. Yeah. I think it's a mat. It's very much a trying to pull yourself out of the gutter song. Um, and yeah, if you don't, if, and again, that's the cool thing about musical theater, right? Like, and it's a good thing about songs, right? We, we, we spoke about this when you and I, when, when the three of us last spoke so often a song, if you don't know the meaning of it, it could just be a really great song. Um, but this one, yeah, it's about pulling yourself out of that gutter. And, um, I think it was so excellent. Again, when you talk about specifics in terms of recordings, um, just how Neil Patrick Harris, um, you know, plays this role, um, is just so just so wonderful and intricate i mean no no shame to john cameron mitchell the 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 originator of it um but there was just something i when i saw it on broadway with neil i was just like oof 
there's just layers there that I, I never heard in the recording, but now I'm seeing and hearing it together. All right. So speaking of kind of powerful songs, I felt like this one was in that same genre. Track six. So this will be the end of act one of the mix. Uh, this is Morning Glow from Pippin, the 2013 new Broadway cast recording. Yes. Um, nothing says daddy issues like Pippin. So um, <laughs> I, you know, for me, I, I, I speak very normally. You know, I, I lost my dad at when I was eight years old. Um, he passed away suddenly. And he was 42. And so I've grown a lot with this burden of uh, living with, you know, trying to, to make this phantom father happy. That doesn't exist. I mean, he passed away and in theory he would be happy, but I don't know that. And so on the other side of the, the coin is, is Pippin, right? Pippin uh, is a telling of the tale of, of, of Charlemagne's kid, Pippin. And it's a fun circusy show. And this production in particular in 2013 really paid homage to this fun circus um, feel of, of the show that, that Stephen Schwartz wrote. But Pippin is struggling to find who Pippin is. And the first half of the show is Pippin trying to like get out of the family shadow, like trying to 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 leave that that journey behind him, because um, all he wants to do is be extraordinary. That's all Pippin wants. And at one point, we get to Act One. He's like, "Well, how do I do this? Well, I got to get rid of my dad." And so, spoiler, he kills his dad. Spoiler, spoiler, his dad comes back to life. It's a musical theater. But um, <laughs> at the end of the show, he you know he he, he stabs his dad with a sword very comically and then the first line of the show is why do my hands start shake why do i why can't my hands stop shaking and um when all the earth is still which i love as a as a lyric when you're so you're so worked up and the, the earth is still but right. you're shaking um and then he he starts to see what tomorrow can now be for him um there's a there's a morning glow right there's the after i just so often you when we hit those storms, we just look for that morning glow. It's like, oof, there's, there, this has been a week, this has been a month, this has been a year. Certainly for all of us living in this pandemic, it's we're, we're all searching for the morning glow, right? When does the sun come out? Yes. And um, and Pippin, in Act 2, his, his, he brings his dad back to life through, through musical theater, of course. And he realized that it wasn't about his dad, right? And I, you know, for me, my own journey during this pandemic, I, I started writing a book about my journey as someone who lost his, his dad at a young age. And I realized, yeah, this is not about my dad. This is about me. Like, this is about, like, figuring out who I am, what I want. So a lot of this, much coming off a of wig in a box, is about identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, I love that. Under Like, that's a really beautiful explanation. Uh, and thank you for sharing that about, about your own life. Um, I love the, you know, the lyrics that you mentioned, like, the morning glow by your light. We can make the new day bright. And the phantoms of the night will fade into the past. Morning glow is here. I just I love that sense of kind of like renewal um, and and hopefulness towards towards a new day. Um, so this was a really good way to to end Act One of your mix, let's say, um, and and let's take it to to Act Two now. Uh, you've got suddenly Seymour from the Little Shop of Horrors, the 2003 recording. So tell us about this opening to Act Two here. Yeah. So in, traditionally, in the actual show Little Shop of Horrors, this is the second song of the of the act, but I don't. Yeah, the, the first song wouldn't work on this mix. Um, but um, I love Suddenly Seymour as not just a love song, um, but mostly because, sorry, um, mostly because in 
you know, Oprah Winfrey has this this famous line. She said at the end of her uh, of her um, her talk show, the last her last episode, she was like, "My entire journey doing this show, I've always just really rooted everything in in three questions: Do you see me? Do you hear me? And is what I'm saying matters to you?" And these two characters, Seymour and Audrey, have never been seen in their entire life, had never been heard in their entire life, until they met each other. And then the two of them saw each other and heard each other and knew that what they said and did mattered. And so suddenly Seymour is the culmination of when they both realize it. And 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 that's the thing about, you know, love songs. Whether whether a relationship endures, ends, you know, is successful, is not successful, um, that's not what suddenly Seymour is about. Suddenly Seymour isn't about the future. It's about the now. It's about really seeing you. Like the the lyric um, suddenly Seymour is standing beside you. You don't need no makeup, don't have to pretend. Because all she's been doing is putting makeup on her face and pretending to be this person that this abusive dentist wants her to be when Seymour's been seeing her the entire time. And and likewise, Audrey, you know, acknowledges no one's ever treated her kindly, you know. Um, but but you do, and you see me, and I see you. And the, the two of them in this act two, song two piece just lift each other up. Like and to, to know, and as a unit, during the the rest of the act, they thrive, right? And that's the allegory of all of it, right? The plan starts to grow, the fame starts to grow, and it's musical theater, so things happen. But um, when they when you finally find someone who sees you and who understands you, um, that goes hand in hand with love. That's like the most beautiful type, where it's like I can just be me because I, I don't have to. There's no secrets. I don't have to lie to you because you accept it all. And, um, and I love the 2003 new Broadway cast recording with Hunter Foster and Carrie Butler. Um, I think Hunter just just is my favorite Seymour. Just lovable and genuine in how he he portrays it, and as well, and same thing with Carrie as well. Now, this was a great uh, great choice. This was probably the first musical I was ever familiar with because uh, in the 80s they did a movie version with uh, Steve Martin and Rick Moranis. I think right. And uh, I remember seeing that, and I think that was probably my introduction to musical theater was was this. But, yeah, no, I, I love that explanation. I love The one thing I loved about this whole mix, really, was that all the songs seemed so hopeful, right? There was sort of this hopeful edge to just everything, and I feel like that's, I don't know, maybe that's just my experience with a lot of musical theater, but I feel like a lot of shows are like that, where there is this kind of positive glint even when when things aren't going great. Now, speaking of things not going great, in track eight, we go to Cabaret from the musical Cabaret, the 1998 New Broadway cast recording. So you, this is the Natasha Richardson rendition, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, songs that if you didn't know what it was, you wouldn't know what it was, right? And <laughs> That's right. Cabaret, everyone listens to it. It's like, oh my God, it's from the song show Cabaret. And it's wonderful and it's lively. I'm like, no, she's having a mental breakdown. <laughs> That's, That's right. what the song is. It's a mental breakdown. <laughs> She, she <laughs> is literally like her life has folded on her. Um, she just had an abortion and she's having a breakdown and she's processing it. And it's just, it's what Kander and Ebb do so brilliantly is if, if musical theater happens when the emotions are so high, we are forced to sing. Well, what would that look like when we're having an emotional breakdown and cabaret is born, right? Like that's, it's so smart. It's like, 
Well, when like you're in love and you're finding someone that can suddenly see more, um, you sing your emotions to each other and it's beautiful and romantic. And when you're having an emotional breakdown, when you, you don't know what you're doing in your life now, it comes out this way. And the only way that it can for, for Sally Bowles, and that's in Cabaret, and just these allegories of of, uh, of Elsie and um, just like the idea of, of um, trying to live, like trying, it's, it's such a cry for help. And, and until you really hear that or know that, you don't, you know, I think it's one of those things where I definitely heard cabaret before i ever saw cabaret and then when i saw cabaret i'm like she's crying for help and and everyone in this audience is just clapping for her and it's such right. a it's it's that double edge of of show business too right where it's like so many of us have so much behind and sometimes we're just crying out for help the only way we can um and sally the only way she can cry out for help is through through song i really wish that when I have emotional breakdowns, I can produce music like this. <laughs> I, mine, mine are not so productive. But <laughs> it doesn't come out this smoothly. It, no, it does not. No, it, <laughs> it's like a four-year-old tantrum and a bunch of friends that are annoyed at me. Um, I I love that. I mean, everything that you just said, and and it's it's funny. It might remind me of one of our earlier episodes that we did on this podcast, which is like lyrics that kind of you know make you. Um, go back and, and like read them to really understand them. And I think this is this is a perfect fit for that, uh, you know, to everything you just said um, in the sense of like you think it's one thing, but really it's it's quite tragic. Um, but let's let's take this to um, the home stretch here. Track nine. You've got Being Alive, another Stephen Sondheim uh, track from Company, the 2007 Broadway cast recording. Yeah, I um yeah, you get a sense of where the musical is going as, as I have a bunch of finale songs. Um, being alive, I mean, you know, the the idea of company, I, I got the pleasure of directing company a couple of years ago. And um, there's just such something about, you know, turning 35 and not knowing um, what you want or thinking you know what you want. And this whole journey of company is just the character of Bobby trying to figure out what he wants and really thinking that he just wants to be what he has already, which is a kind of bachelory, just, you know, all of his friends are married, having kids, doing the thing, but he's just on his own. And um, being alive is the, the, the complete opposite of his act one finale. Act one, he sings, marry me a little, which I literally <laughs> have never understood company until I, I, I was single the last time I was single when I was like, I was got a relationship and now I'm just ready to, to exist in the world. And I met my current partner and I was living in a world of uh, marry me a little. I was like, I really like this girl. Heck, I, I may even love this girl, but I don't know if I want to be in a relationship. So can't we just do it halfway? Can't you marry me a little? Um, <laughs> like me more than others, but not exclusively. That's the way it ought to be. Like, it's just like, and it's, and when you request out of a person, you're just an a-hole, right? That is not, that is not love. That is not okay. That is so one-handed, right? It's, and so Bobby ends act one being like, I'm ready. I'm ready now. He keeps saying, I'm ready now. But it's like, you're not ready now. You keep asking for, for half-assed love. And that's not what, what, you know, what the world will, will provide you. If you're, you can't request that. That's, you either have it or you don't have it. You can't have it halfway. And it's not until Act Two where he has the journey of the show, and I certainly have the journey of, of my my knowing my partner Sam, and just 
realizing what the I, what it is to be alive and being alive is is wanting someone and having someone want you someone to to pull in your chair someone to ruin your sleep and make you aware that you're alive you know it's it's all attached and and you can't have some of it you have to have it's not love isn't multiple multiple choice right you have to have the some parts of it you can't take it apart and be like great i'll take this part and that part it's all or nothing and so for me in my own personal relationships um my friend one of my friend and colleagues uh andrew i worked i was working with um on a show when i first you know was single and he's like you're gonna go through the stages of company i'm like i don't know what that means he goes i just listen to me you're gonna go through it <laughs> and then one day i realized like oh i'm here in this i'm i'm, I'm at barcelona now i'm at and then and i realized once i got to marry me a little i was like okay and my favorite part not to keep dragging i told you guys to try not to drag on as much about musical theater but <laughs> my favorite part about the show is Bobby doesn't realize that this is what he wants until the most innocent of times, which just happens to all of us, right? We don't realize that this is the person we love the most until like we real until we it happened and we realized it after. And it's towards the end of the show where, you know, one of his friends, his older older female friend, is like, When are we gonna make it? Basically, when are we gonna go have some sex? And um so she's like, and don't be cute, don't do the thing that you do. And then she says one line, she goes, I'll take care of you. And then there's a beat. And then Bobby turns to her and says, but who will I take care of? And then she was like, <laughs> well, there it is. You're ready. Like you're ready. Cause you want to be there. You want to be the person who gets the phone calls, the person who gets the shoulder to cry on, who has to problem solve. And that's really, and so for me coming off of track four of loving you, um, how do you get to loving you? You realize that love, it makes you alive. That that's the only way that the through line. That was a long answer to a question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, and I, I did think this was interesting because reading up on company, it is about this person who's unable to commit. But then hearing this song, which is about just being very much being with someone, um, seemed to stand in contrast to that. But obviously, if it's near the end of the show, that would make a lot of sense. So, um, no, that uh, amazing and you don't, and song. You don't, and, and, yes. and, and through the wonder of this, like you don't know what happens. Right? And this is really great, right? Does Bobby find someone? Probably, maybe, hopefully. But right. the point isn't that he found found someone. The point is that he allowed himself to, to want to find someone, to allow yourself to love and to be loved. You're right. No, but you're right. It is a That is a specific kind of moment I think everybody kind of goes through where they they make that transition from you know, they, they don't want to be attached to someone to, okay, I'm ready for this. Even if, like you're saying, there's not that absolute resolution of, oh, look, they're together and they're married, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all right, let's go to track 10. This is from Ragtime, the 1998 original broad, Broadway cast recording. And this is Make Them Hear You. Um, I mean, this is just, for me, just so simple. Um, it's been like really a mantra I've had as a writer, a director, an artist, Make Them Hear You. Um uh, and just to continue, you know, it's it's not that in the show. In, in the show, I mean, the show is very much about um, about rights, um, about race, about about you know justice. The whole when I, if someone's like, hey, describe uh, describe ragtime in a sentence, like, well, it's a show about righteous anger and justice. And Cole House Walker Jr. just wants justice, and um, we're not really getting that justice at the end of the show. He he thinks make them hear you so that 
future generations can't get that justice. And um, in particular, the, my favorite line of the show, which always struck me, I have it written down in my in my my home office, is your sword could be a sermon or the power of the pen. Teach every child to raise his voice, and then my brother then will justice be demanded by ten thili- ten million righteous men. Make them hear you. I just think that show. I love the idea of your sword being um, a sermon or the power of the pen. And I've used that, you know, this one time I, I was in a church once and um, at a, at a confirmation with, and you know, this Bishop gave a, a sermon and he talked about um, same sex marriage and went off on it randomly. at just like random confirmation. Like these kids are like trying to get a sacrament. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening? And so I wrote him a letter. I was like, and my first line was, um, you know, Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Aarons once famously wrote, your sword could be a sermon or the power of the pen. And I just think you need to really learn how to use your sword. If you're speaking from a pulpit, that's power. Um, if someone's listening to you, that's power. So as much as it is making people hear you, it's, it's also understanding the power that we have as individuals, the platforms we have as individuals, and using that for the better good. Because so many, so many people misuse their power misuse their privilege and if we're all born with some sort of privilege or power i mean um it's the point isn't getting rid of it you can't get rid of privilege you can just use it to make the world a better place as best as you can and make them hear you is about making the world a better place as best you can finding justice where where it doesn't exist i uh yeah i love that I, I wrote those exact same lyrics. Those stood out to me. It's just like the most powerful ones of the song. Um, and and I think they lead in, you know, really nicely um, to your track 11 here, uh, which is from Merrily We Roll Along. And the song is Our Time. And I, for me, like the, the lead in is so great because, you know, the lyrics here that stood out to me in this song is like, it's our time, breathe it in, worlds to change and worlds to win. Our turn coming through, me and you, me and you. And so, yeah, tell us about that. Was that an, an intentional uh, kind of lead-in? Um, tell us about this track. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, uh, Merrily We Roll Along, another Sondheim show, is um, is one of his flops, really. Um, it got some love in 2012 when they remounted it for an, a short concert version, uh, which is the recording I chose because it has um, uh, some some actors who I really adore but um it's a cool show because uh it tells the journey of these friends um backwards we start the end of their time together when everything when when shit hit the fan everywhere um and we learn how we got how we how did we get there that's the whole point of the show how did we get to be here they say it over and over again um because with every every ending you know there's a beginning so how do we get there and so we go through the journey of the show and the last track is the first track you know in in their journey together and that's our time where they're standing on a roof and um they just all met for the most part um the two main male leads met met a little while ago um and they're now they're rooming together and they both one one writes plays and one writes music and they're like well we're gonna put this together and then their their female friend uh, Mary is also living in that building. They all happen to run, and so the two, the pair of them and Mary, stumble together when they're on the roof, waiting for the Sputnik to launch in the fifties, the satellite from the Russians, and that that thing, that moment, just inspires like, and they say it in the in the in the recording in the show. 
you know, what do you call it? Spudnik or Spoonik? And, and he says, you call it a miracle. Like, do you know that right now at this moment, we can do anything we want? What a time to be starting. What a time to be alive. And I think our time is really saying, yeah, this is, this is our time. We're going to change the world and we're going to do as, as well as we can. And we're going to try things and we're going to fail a bunch. Um, and we're going to understand. And for me, structurally, I'm like, we're going to know that something's coming. We're going to wait for it and we're going to capture it. Like, you know, and, and through that, people will hear us and we will be alive and all that thing. Like it all culminates, right? Like I really wanted this to really to feed into each piece of it. And our time, I've always said it's one of my favorite uh, show tunes ever just because, um, you know, everyone wants that. Like, you know, you know, we're, we're you know, we're, um, we're the names on tomorrow's papers, you know, we're the movies and we're the shakers. Like it's just so it's, it's not ego. It's, it's hope. It's like the, the, the biggest amount of hope. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now this was kind of a standout song for me when I heard this and I wasn't familiar with the, uh, with the musical, but yeah, just listening to this song, I was like, same thing, just the, the, the hope and, and everything associated with it. I just, I just love that. Um, and it seems like a really interesting musical if this is the last song and it kind of works backwards. I think that would be an interesting one to check out. Um, so working forward for us, we go to track 12 and you finish up with the Color Purple reprise from the Color Purple, the 2015 Broadway cast recording. Yeah, I didn't. It's one of those things where you, you, you put a mix together. I was talking to, to one of my friends about this mix and I told her like the order and I ended with this and she's like, wow, I didn't didn't expect that to to make the cut and i was like there was something about the color purple but the reprise um which is the last song in the show that is just so fascinating mostly because the idea of what that song stands for right um as someone who did grow up you know uh christian and someone who so i still have a, a belief in god um just that idea of the appreciation of the things that we have around us and, and the color purple, this song in particular, this title number is trying to focus on the good things, right? So it comes in a point in the book in the novel and in the musical, the, the, the first part of it is basically Shug and Celie love each other and they are, they're clearly queer people. They're they, that, that, that have a love for each other. And one of them's like, but I don't know about the sex and all this, all of that, and sex, I don't know, like, I think there's no, there's no God because if God existed, things would be better. And then just the idea of there's no God. Well, explain the color purple. What? Where, where does the color purple come from? It's beautiful. It's wonderful. That's that God's done that, you know? And so it's really this idea of, um, a grander message to, to I, I also think it's such a grander message to like more extreme Christians uh, of God wants us to be happy above all things. Um, and not just God, whoever, whatever you believe in the universe, like whatever you believe happiness should be at the root of that, right? You should not be unhappy and you should do things that make you happy. And you should do, and those things should be responsible and growing things and things that make the world a better place, finding justice, doing all the things that I spoke about earlier. But in the end, um, love and happiness should be rooted in that. And I just, um, and there's just a moment in that reprise when, um, uh, where Celie, yeah, certainly in this, in this recording, which is just Cynthia Revo, it's just killer, uh, and takes us to church. Um, but just that idea of, of, you know, 
appreciating the things that we have, the connections we have, appreciating the the love that we have and allowing ourselves to find happiness. And for me, when I was really summarizing this entire mix, I was like, above all, there's love in this mix and there's a journey for happiness and, and being whole. And um, this is the final song in the color purple. And this is from the 2015 recording, like I said, with um, Cynthia Rivo, which um, won Tony's and Bontonis. And it's one of my favorite productions I ever I went to. I literally, I sat in the theater with, um, surrounded by people of color. When I went, I went like on, I think it was, I went on like Valentine's Day or something like that. I don't know what it was, but like there was black families. There were, there were, there were, there were all around me. I remember specifically, it was, it was me and my partner at the time. Um, and we were just surrounded by all of these people of color and everyone was just weeping. We all were just weeping, feeling like the emotion in the air. And, uh, I just remember in particular, just the idea of like that, that this is the meaning of the show, right? This is finding the happiness wherever you can find that happiness. And that only happens when we have unity and togetherness where like, um, my favorite part about theater is that. You could be rich, poor, black, white, Latinx, gay, straight, queer, genderqueer, trans, whatever. You could be all those things and still we'll have that same experience together. We'll all sit in the dark and watch a show together. And that is above all things that unites us. Like that's that's why art is so important because it may mean things to different people in different ways, but we all have the ability to 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 sit and watch something. And let that do something to our spirits. And um, yeah, and, and, and if and if the color purple doesn't prove that, I don't know. I don't know what does. And also, it just proves that there was queer people in the eighteen hundreds, which is really and I, you know, which is really important. <laughs> uh, that like, we just didn't come out it's of a, the, the, uh, the woodwork in, in the nineties. It just showed up sure. magically, right? Just now. <laughs> Yeah, this is a really beautiful ending to this mix, and and um, I feel very inspired right now. Thank you, Adam. I, I I love all the messages here. I love how you've very thoughtfully arranged them on this mix. Um, thank you so much for putting together this uh, this amazing mixtape for us. Yeah, Adam, I was gonna say I I I loved the music from this that that you put together enough, but then just listening to you talk about it. I'm like, I've got to go watch 12 musicals this weekend. <laughs> and, and like, I just feel super positive and pumped for the, for like the rest of the day. So I'm just going to listen back to this just to put myself in a better mood. I can't, um, I can't wait till our, our Monday morning meeting, Matt. And it's going to be, <laughs> you're going to just come out of the gate. So I'm going so to sing throughout our Monday morning meeting. <laughs> I'm going to write songs about us and about the podcast and just everything. So I I'm, wait. And one I'm day fired I'll, up. I'll do the B side of this mix. It'll be even <laughs> Perfect. Well, Adam, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Uh, like Samra said earlier, it is uh, adammace.com for, to see more of your work as well as um, at Adam has Instagram. Um, to uh, follow him and see more of his stuff. And um, Samer, we've got to get people to add a super awesome mix to their next event, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, 
it is really exciting. We've launched this this uh, product of ours, a service of ours, where basically, you know, if you've ever just wanted to like give people a mixtape at your event, let's say it's a wedding you've got coming up, let's say it's a birthday, and you just want to, you know, build that time capsule of, of what's going on or what brought you two together in your relationship, you can now make a super awesome mix. Um, we'll print these cards out for you with our beautiful illustrations on it. It'll say, you know, like so-and-so and whoever made you a mixtape on the front. Um, and then you just scan a little QR code, takes you to a website, and we've got links to all the music services, so you don't need to worry about what, you know, if your guests have Spotify, have Apple Music, have Tidal, have whatever. Uh, we take care of all that for you. And so it's just a really fun way to bring back the joy of, like, physically giving someone a mixtape without all the plastic waste, which is a big win. Um, you know, all about looking looking for change there. So, um, yeah, be sure to check that out. You can look at look up more information in our show notes. We'll have a link there. Or you could just visit superawesomemix.com and you'll see a link called events there um, and lots of buttons to say make your mix. So check that out. Learn more. Reach out if you've got any questions. So there we have it. Another super awesome mix and all sorts of inspiring words from our wonderful guest, Adam Mace. Adam, thanks again for joining the show this week. And for Adam and Samra, this is Matt and we'll see you next time with another super awesome mix. Super Awesome Mix is brought to you by DLM. Make shopping easy with DLM, the one-stop shop for all your casual clothing needs. Shop DLMSupplyCo.com and enter the promo code AWESOME at checkout to save 15% off your first purchase. That's DLMSupplyCo.com.